To you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello, I'm Glynis Crook. Over the past few years, there's been increasing concern about the number of trees in Cape Town that are being illegally stripped of their bark. Taking the bark off apparently exposes the complex tissues underneath to the elements, which puts the tree at risk of viral or bacterial infections and can ultimately lead to its death. Lobby group Friends of Table Mountain recently raised the alarm about the destruction of Table Mountain National Park's limited indigenous forests. It says the two areas that are most concerning are Newlands Forest and Echo Valley in Cork Bay. To find out more now, I'm joined by arborist Francois Krich, who's been on this program before. He's co-owner of one of South Africa's few surviving indigenous forests, the Platbos Forest Reserve. Francois, begin by telling us briefly, why do people strip bark off trees? What is it used for? Hi. Yeah, bark is stripped for medicine, traditional medicine, which about 60% of South Africans use. So it's, uh, there's a lot of demand for a limited resource. I've mentioned a little bit about what it does to trees, but could you explain a little bit better than I did? The tree's vascular system is just beneath the bark. So when you remove the corky bark, you expose the vascular system or destroy it, one of the two, depending on the species. So some species take a certain amount of bark stripping, others not at all. But once you strip the bark from all around a tree, it generally dies. It's then ring bark. What is the situation then in Newlands Forest? As I said a few weeks ago, um, the Friends of Table Mountain said that they were deeply concerned about the situation there and in Echo Valley. The situation in Newlands Forest is pretty disastrous. It's a combination of factors. So over the years, Table Mountain National Parks has neglected to clear the aliens from the periphery of the forest. And the aliens are flammable. They're part of the burning community of plants. And uh, within the forest, the indigenous trees have been ringbarked. Hectares and hectares of trees have been damaged or destroyed. So the ultimate destroyer of the forest will be a fire. We are creating the perfect conditions for a fire. We've seen all over Mediterranean climates, Greece and Portugal, Chile and California and Australia, that there have been devastating forest fires. And if we really, really were trying hard to create the perfect conditions for it, that's pretty much what's happening. Because apparently the stripping of the bark will ultimately make the indigenous trees more flammable, is that right? Yeah, you've got hectares of forest that's effectively dead. All the old giants are dead. The light penetration through the forest floor is extreme. There's huge deadwood load on the forest floor. The invasives are proliferating in the more sunny conditions that have been created by the ring barking. You believe that criminal syndicates are involved in this bark stripping? Yes, my colleagues at Kirstenbosch have told me of how bark harvesting was done in the olden days, and it was done in a far more sustainable manner than what is happening now. Um, the people who are stripping the bark now are not the end users or dispensers of the product. There are syndicates who are going in and marking large tracts of forest with uh, slash marks of the machete, 
uh, the suitable trees. And these are then completely stripped at night. And it's uh, definitely got very little to do with the old traditional practices, which were far more sustainable. So is there any other way that this demand for the bark could be met without endangering the trees? I think that all over the world, wild resources are under huge pressure. Naturally occurring resources that are neither cultivated nor synthesized are under huge pressure. And this is another similar scenario. And yes, there are ways one can grow the product. You could prune trees to harvest the product, and that would be sustainable. However, the culture of the harvesting needs to change for that to happen. And the attitude of the authorities needs to change for that to happen. I was going to ask, do you feel that they are doing enough to try and solve the situation? Absolutely not. There's been almost zero enforcement, and there's also not many alternative suggestions as to how one could meet the demand. So how would you like to see the situation resolved? I think there has to be a multifaceted approach to it. I think, firstly, there has to be some form of enforcement. It's fairly obvious where the people are coming from. The damage is happening from the Mowbray blockhouse in towards the forest. So it's very obvious where the access routes are for the people doing this. There needs to be some form of enforcement. It is a criminal offence to destroy indigenous forests. Furthermore, there needs to be investigation into the cultivation of the resource. And there also needs to be investigation into the possibility of sustainable harvesting done in a controlled manner by professional people. So it's not just a free-for-all. Those are three approaches that, that immediately spring to mind. That sounds like a good plan, and hopefully the authorities are paying attention to those kinds of proposals. Thanks there to arborist Francois Kricher, and that's it for this week on Being Green. Till next time from Eglin's Crook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate. FMR.